the guy is is hiding. He's hiding, and God shows up and says, "Greetings, mighty warrior." What in the world is going on? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV as we study Judges 4 to 6. This is interesting. We are exploring Gideon. Now, this is a fascinating look at what God does and how he thinks, but we'll talk about that in about three minutes. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at honey, the land flowing with milk and honey, bees, all of that, all that good stuff coming up soon. Ryan? What is the book of Judges really all about? Well, I can tell you this, it's more than just an account of Israel's dark history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of King David. Very good, and Judges is about leaders, so it's very good. Okay, Jen? Today I want to talk about staying focused on God. So get your Bible guide. If you don't have one, we'll tell you how you can get one in just a moment. Let's open up the most important book of all, that is the Bible, the 66 books, and let's listen to God. Judges 6, 1 through 13. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was... Whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their land. I also said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice." Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our father told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. 
Well, we enter the book of Judges, uh, and this is fascinating as we read it, because Judges was a time in Israel's ancient history that uh, really wasn't that good. And take your Bible guide and get it ready because we're going to read that in a minute. But a main challenge or a main question that people have when it comes to God is this. If God is all powerful, if God is all loving, then why is there evil and suffering on the earth? Now, it's interesting to me that when people think of an all-loving, all-powerful God, their immediate conclusion is that God would think like they do, would have their morality. And so, there is a contradiction, because if they were God, they would use their power to stop all evil and suffering. I really don't think that if is the right question. I think it needs to be why. The why question. Why would an all-powerful, all-loving God allow evil and suffering? Now, that's a much more interesting question, isn't it? Why? Now, the book of Judges makes us struggle with this question. And we can see clearly that God allows human decisions to stand for a time. He allows us the authority to choose wisely or poorly. What and how we decide to live our lives tells a lot about who we are and who we love and what we believe. And that's really important. Now, I believe that the book of Judges should be taught in philosophy class. And it's important to remember that because if you teach the book of Judges and carefully look at it and you begin to see these things, you see violence, you see a lot of reaction, you see God is always there, but the people make decisions. And many of their decisions are wrong decisions. So take your Bible guide, and again, you can call or write to us and get a Bible guide, or you can simply go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide to get it there. We're going we're gonna to look at these 13 verses today and consider what God is doing and saying. So, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name, we pray that you would help us to see the Word of God, the most important book of all, for what it is. Now, we're not building up a person. We're, we're, we're looking at the Word of God who's telling us the truth. So help us to see that truth in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, Amen and Amen. Coming off of chapter 5 where it says the land had rest for 40 years, chapter 6 says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. For seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountain. Can you imagine that? Is he following the successful leadership of Deborah? Israel fell away from God. Jesus Christ is always the same. But people shift and change. And that's true today. People have shifted and changed from 50 years ago. Culture has shifted and changed. We've seen things that we've never seen in our lifetimes because people have turned away from God. Beloved, we need to come back. It's not a political party. It's not an economic system. It's not a business. It's our hearts. 
What do we believe? What do we think of God? We either believe the word of God or we don't. We either dismiss it or we understand what it's saying because some of the word of God we don't read right. When we understand the word of God, that's different. We begin to hear what the Lord is saying. Well, let's go on because this is interesting. It says, so it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel. They cried out to the Lord and it came to pass. Listen to this. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from the Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the land of the Egyptians and out of the hand of those who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their inheritance. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. Trouble comes when we forget God. Jesus Christ is able to help us if we call on him and repent. Our problems in the world today have nothing to do with politics. Nothing to do with military. Absolutely nothing to do with, with uh, any of the businesses or any of the social means. Those are their problems, but those are results of the real problem. It's in our hearts because our hearts are always taking, taking, wanting, wanting. We need to repent. Father, forgive us. We need to come back to you and see that you've called us to live together. You've called us to build your kingdom and you've called us to repent. Very important. Let's read on because this is something that's really important to listen to. And so the Bible clearly says here, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a turbinth tree, which was in Ophrah, and which belonged to Joash the Aberzite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if God is with us, or if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of the miracles, his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. For Gideon, God's powerful acts were old stories. When we abandon God, his works among us change. Repentance is necessary. Repentance is necessary. Father, we come to you today. Everybody who's willing, including me, 
and we have cast you off and we pray, Lord, that we don't want to do that anymore. We are in a mess. I mean, the world is so messed up. Help us, Father. We need to look to you because you are the only one who can save us out of this. Give us your grace and give us your strength. Come back to us, Lord, and help us to restore. In Jesus' name, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we prayed together. Amen. Hi there, Bible Discovery TV is available to you 24 seven. If you have Roku, you can download our app and you can watch all of our programs at your own convenience. We're also available on Amazon Fire. So just search Bible Discovery TV and you'll be able to find us. Did you know that Bible Discovery TV is available on your phone? You can watch the program whenever and wherever is most convenient for you. On iPhone or Android, search for Bible Discovery TV in the App Store. All right, so since we're in the book of Judges today, I thought that it would be helpful to ask a very fundamental question, which is what is this book really all about? Well, at first, it may seem to be just a straightforward account of the sad history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of David. And yes, it does do that. But when you take a closer look, there's a specific message that the writer of Judges is trying to convey. So let's see if we can discover what that message is. On the surface, Judges appears to be a simple and straightforward account of Israel's dark history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of David. As a matter of fact, apart from the brief story of Ruth, Judges provides the only extant account of this particular time period. And yet, as Bible scholar J. Allen Groves points out, the recounting of that history was not its primary purpose. Indeed, composed sometime after David had become king, Judges was written to the Israelites to address the difficulty that their leaders, the Judges, had had in leading God's people to fear the Lord and keep covenant. Failure to follow the Lord by fearing Him and keeping His covenant threatened Israel's continued peace and presence in the Promised Land. Thus, Judges calls the Israelites to consider carefully whom they would follow. More particularly, Judges' purpose is number one to demonstrate the failure of Israel's leadership to pass on the knowledge of God to the next generation or to lead them in covenant keeping, and number two to argue for a better leader, a covenant keeping king, not a judge, from Judah, not Benjamin, David, not Saul. Though David and Saul are never mentioned by name in Judges, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin are contrasted many times. In fact, the book opens by noting the crisis in leadership created by Joshua's death and God's answer that Judah would lead Israel in completing the conquest. Judges then continues by outlining the general success of the tribe of Judah in taking their allotted inheritance and the almost universal failure of the other tribes to do likewise, with the tribe of Benjamin being first on that list. Benjamin also instigated a civil war in Israel, causing all the other tribes to war against him. Interestingly, while scholars have only been able to roughly date the book of Judges to some time after David rose to power, this anti-Benjamite and pro-Judahite narrative has led some to suspect that it was probably written in the period when there were two viable candidates for the throne, one from the house of David and the other from the house of Saul. That is the period when David was king in the south in Hebron, and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, was king of the ten northern tribes in Ephraim. 
If this is correct, then the writer of Judges was encouraging his fellow Israelites to choose and follow King David. Unfortunately, David's godly leadership died with him, and most of his heirs proved to be complete moral failures, which once again sent the nation into a downward spiral, culminating in God's judgment upon them. And so the Old Testament story as a whole still cries out, like the book of Judges does, for a leader who would be faithful to God and lead his people in keeping covenant. Significantly, that cry is answered in Christ Jesus, who of course was also from the tribe of Judah and descended from David. Therefore, the book of Judges called its original audience to follow a king who would lead them in knowing and fearing the Lord. And now it issues the same call to us, except that the king to follow is no longer David, but Jesus. So Judges' purpose wasn't to recount the history of the Judges just for the sake of having a record of it. The reason it was recounting Israel's history seems to be a warning. It was a warning to the Israelites to make sure that they appointed proper leadership. A king, not a judge. From the tribe of Judah, not Benjamin. David, not Saul. This plea Judges makes might suggest that the book was written in the period when there were two viable candidates for the throne, one from the house of David and the other from the house of Saul, which was the time period when David was king in the south and Saul's son Ishbosheth was king of the north. If this is right, then Judges was clearly pleading with the Israelites to choose and follow King David. And what's so significant is that in the light of the New Testament, Judges also calls us to follow a king. The difference is that that king is no longer David, but Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this is something that I'm going to be building on over the next few days. So stay tuned. You know, uh, the, the important thing to remember is when we start relating to the New Testament um, with this particular passage and with these other passages, beginning with Judges and all of that, because if you think about this, also in the line of all of the genealogies, David is in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, David had a lot of problems at the end of his kingdom. But nevertheless, Jesus Christ, uh, whose father is God, uh, is now in there who died on the cross, gave his life, and then rose from the dead miraculously in the flesh. It's absolutely stunning and amazing. Mm -hmm. Corey? All right. Well, I want to, I'm taking my cues from a little bit of a different area today, still in our reading, but I want to focus in on the prophet and judge Deborah today and not, not really focusing on Deborah's life, but you may or may not know that Deborah's name actually means bee or bumblebee or honeybee. And this is really interesting because we've got, you know, the, the land of Israel, the promised land often referred to as the land flowing with milk and honey. And then we've got Deborah as one of the only good judges and successful judges in the entire book. And her name means bee. So let's take a look at honey beekeeping in ancient Israel. Honey is mentioned 55 times in the Bible and is directly linked to Israel by its biblical nickname, the land flowing with milk and honey. Until recently, however, it was unknown whether we should think of the Bible's honey references as bee honey or as the popular honey-like syrup derived from figs and dates. 
at least twice, the Bible's context makes it clear that bees' honey is in mind. But these times, the stories feature wild honey. The problem was, scholars didn't have any direct evidence to prove that bees were kept for honey in biblical Israel. It was known that from very ancient times, surrounding cultures kept bees, and the value of honey and beeswax in the ancient Middle East is known from literary sources. An Egyptian pharaoh dating to just before the Exodus even describes taking hundreds of jars of honey as tribute from Canaan. So bee domestication must have been in the land before Israel took over. Excavations at Tel Rehov, a city on an important trade route next to the Jordan River and south of the Sea of Galilee, finally settled any question about biblical beekeeping. It was done. The excavation layer dating to the 10th and 9th centuries BC, biblically the time of Solomon and the first kings of the split kingdom, revealed an industrial apiary, a beehive installation meant to produce an abundance of honey and beeswax for sale. This massive apiary is believed to have housed around 180 beehives, though not all of them have survived until today as the city was destroyed by a massive fire caused either by an earthquake or a conqueror, destroying many of the stacked hives but preserving the apiary as a whole. Interestingly, this honey harvesting operation was located within the walls of a city in a populated area, meaning the residents of the city would have had to live with millions of bees in peak season. The hives themselves were long cylinders of unbaked clay. On one end, a small hole acted as the bees' doorway, and at the other, a clay lid with a handle gave access to the beekeepers. The hives were stacked on one another, arranged in neat rows, and the floor was dug down a few feet, likely to help keep it cool. There was a roof, at least over the hives, to keep them out of the sun. So there we go, some of the ancient industry of honey beekeeping in uh, Israel. You know, it really is something when you think about that, because uh, when you, because there's recent movies out and all that, the beekeeper and all that business. But uh, a lot of people are fascinated with bees, but this is a regular thing uh, in the ancient times. And yeah. the, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's an ancient art. Definitely. Uh, and it really is something. Very good, Corey. Thank you. Janice? Stay focused on God is what I titled my segment today in looking at Judges um, chapter 6 with the Midianites oppressing Israel here. And we see that they were just coming um, at them from all sides, really oppressing them. And um, God sent a prophet to them to remind the Israelites how God had delivered them from Egypt out of the hand of Pharaoh, how he drove out the nations before Israel in the land that God had promised to give them. And the Lord reminded them, also, I said to you, I'm the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. I want to encourage us today not to ignore the words of God, but to press into him, to seek after him even more, um, to be very diligent in, in our study of the word of God, to get it deep into our hearts so that we are not tricked in this day and age. There's so many things out there. Um, isn't there when we turn on the news, when we, when we see the things happening within our own communities, things that we never thought we would live to see, now we're seeing it happen in front of us. And it can be very disjarring. It can be very disheartening. But let's not dwell on those things. Let's 
let's set our eyes above on things that are praiseworthy, on things uh, that that teach us and keep us on the solid foundation of who God is, knowing that God has not removed his hands. God's hands are still moving and his will will be done for our future and for the future of this world. So this is not the time to pull away from God, but to spend time in his word, to spend time in prayer, getting to know him and seeking after him. As we read down, after God has said, you haven't obeyed my voice, we change scenes now and and we meet somebody named Gideon. And Gideon was um, in the threshing floor. He was hiding from the Midianites when the angel of the Lord appeared to him and and said to him, you know, "The, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Well, I'm sure he felt anything but a mighty man of valor. And yet here was God confronting him with this. And we see, and and we hear in Rod's teaching that, that it was stories to Gideon. What God had done was just stories. So that's one thing that we need to, to perk up our ears as we read this, especially as parents and grandparents, that as Deuteronomy 4 or Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 tells us that we need to teach and talk about God with our children, with our grandchildren. We need to make him evident. We're, when we're sitting around the, the family table or we're, where we're at a reunion and, or whatever, we need to have God involved in our conversations so that our children, so that our friends, so that our neighbors, so that we can encourage each other in the things that God has done and the things that God is doing. Because there are times, you know, Gideon felt like he couldn't do this. And God said to him, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? And a lot of times we, we are like that. Moses was like that. We, we can bring up a person after person in the Bible and us too. Well, God, I can't do that because of this and because of that. But when God sends us to do something, we can, we can. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage, but you know what? When we set our eyes on God, when we take one step at a time, he has already given us the tools to accomplish the things that he has set us to do. So let's stay focused on God in this time. Don't let your eyes always be on the things that are happening that are bad, that are scary, that seem so evil. And yes, those things exist, but our eyes are on God, knowing that he is the solid foundation that he is never changing, that he has a plan and a purpose and those things will be accomplished. So don't get ahead of God. You stay with God and let him lead you just like he leads us with the word of God. So let me encourage you today.
Very excited about the people in Iran because the people, not the government, but the people have had an experience of a revival. And in fact, I, I got a report from a missions organization that said there's an estimated about 5 million people now who've come to know the Lord. 5 million people, that's un, un, stunning. Father, we thank you for the revival we're seeing in Iran. We don't see it on the news, but help us, Lord, and may your kingdom grow there. In Jesus' name, amen.